dividing line. Uh, last week in house churches, we discussed the concept of before and after, and today we're going to talk about darkness and light. Uh, Christmas is full of the idea of darkness and light. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, there's the dark. Hey, Sherwin, can you advance the slides for me? Uh, thank you. Oh, great. All right, I've got power for my lapel. Awesome. Sorry, we're a little uh, discombobulated. We put on this huge Christmas play last week, and everybody's like so exhausted from that that we're <laughs> dropping some balls. Okay, let's see if this works. Hello, hello. All right, awesome. All right, so uh, Christmas is full of the idea of darkness and light, isn't it? You know, it's, it's dark outside, and you go and you see the Christmas lights. The teens went to the candy cane lane to see the lights last uh, Friday night. How were the lights, guys? Would you give it a 10 or an 8 or a... Put up how many fingers, teens? 10? Okay, good, good, awesome. Uh, I know Calvin Johnson every year does a huge job of, of Christmas lights and his. Calvin, how, how is it this year? Would you give it a 12, Elaine says? Okay, a 12. Uh, so yeah, there's this idea of light. And, and what we celebrate with Christmas is the idea of light coming into a dark world. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9. It'll be on the screen here. This was written 700 years before Jesus. And uh, this is a prophecy about the Messiah, this person who would come, uh, this figure that's all throughout the Old Testament that, that God promised to send. And uh, it says in, in this verse, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So this was the idea of who the Messiah would be, that this person would bring light to a dark world. And, uh, but then how does the world respond to the light coming into it? And that, that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we respond to that light? Everybody here has probably had that experience of going to see a matinee movie to save money. And, uh, you know, and then you kind of forget that it's daytime outside while you're in the movie, right? And you, you get done watching the movie, and you walk outside, and suddenly you're just like, ah, oh, and you just want to run back into the dark theater because of that penetrating light uh, in your eyes. I know in the Christmas play we did last week, and I just got to brag on our team. Our team kind of, we hosted this, uh, this Christmas play, and we had uh, around 1,700 people come uh, to see the play. Uh, so it was really awesome. People from all around the region, many hundreds of guests came uh, with us to the play. So it was really, really great. Really, really proud of our team. Really proud of everybody. Uh, our, our local tech ministry, our local sound, sound and, and worship team, we kind of hosted the whole thing. And it was really, really awesome. So really proud of, of Gina and uh, the whole team. But I, I played a part in that. And I, I heard some people didn't even know it was me. But uh, I was... I was acting. Uh, so, so, uh, so I had this silly part of, of Joseph the statue. And, uh, but the way that a, a play works is you, you're hearing all these, uh, you know, five minutes to places and, you know, 10 minutes to places, five minutes to places. Then you go and you wait backstage for like 10 minutes before it starts. And it's very, very dark back there. And so you're waiting and you're trying to get ready and everything and get into character you know, and I'm thinking about Joseph and his character. And, and, uh, but then I come out, I'm right here. Uh, we come out, it's, it's blackout, which means completely black. And then I get in place, and then suddenly the play starts, full lights. 
and I'm supposed to be a statue that's frozen. So it's like full lights and my eyes are open. And I'm like, ow! You know, because I can't blink because I'm supposed to be a statue and my eyes were just like, I'm sure there was just tears just like flowing down. But we, we all have that reaction to light in a, in a metaphorical sense sometimes in our lives. You know, remember as a kid when your parents uh, would try to point out something in your character, uh, maybe, or, or try to change something about you, or, or point out, hey, where you're blowing it in some area, and everything in you wants to resist, and you want to hide, and you don't want to be found out. Maybe you learn even to lie uh, to lie to your parents because you don't want them to expose what's really going on because you don't want to be exposed. You, don't, you, you resist the lie. Uh, anybody who's married, you know, when your spouse tries to point out something that's maybe deficient in your character that you could be doing differently, and so often our, our immediate reaction is not, oh, tell me. I want to hear how I can change to better meet your needs. I mean, that's how we should be, but how we are is like, ah, we resist, we push back, we don't want to hear it. And that's, uh, that's, that's what we do to God. A lot of times that, as God tries to come into our lives with light, shine light into our darkness, sometimes in that moment, God can become our enemy. Because whenever light shines in darkness, we have that response. And I want to look at, uh, we're going to look at uh, some, some passages that were written by John. So if you could be turning your Bible over to the Gospel of John. Uh, it's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to look at chapter 1. And uh, just to give you a little background as you're turning there, John was one of Jesus' apostles, which were these chosen special relationships Jesus had, one of his friends. And uh, John was the brother of James. James and John had this nickname, Boadrones, which means sons of thunder. Uh, and that's because these guys were kind of rough and tumble guys. At one point, they were asking Jesus if they could have permission to call down fire from heaven to blow up an entire city. Uh, you know, that's just kind of how these guys rolled. It's like, yeah, Jesus, can we blast the city, you know, and completely destroy it? Uh, that, that's who John was, and yet who he became was the apostle of love. And as you read his writing, everything is about love. And it, I, I got to imagine it's because of the transformation he experienced that he went from being a son of thunder to being the apostle of love. But he wrote his gospel. There's four gospels. These are the accounts of Jesus. Uh, there's four of them, and John wrote his much later, after the other three. So he was aware of the other three. Uh, he wrote as an older man. He wrote his gospel. And he has a different angle on the Christmas story than the, than the other ones do. Uh, the, the book of Matthew is the one that talks about the, the, the wise men and the, the magi that came from the east. We looked at that passage two weeks ago. And Matthew really emphasizes the kingship of Jesus. Because the king Herod was trying to, he felt threatened, and so he, he, wanted, he didn't want to have anything to do with this new king. And, and, and Matthew, in his gospel, written primarily to a Jewish audience, is really emphasizing that Jesus is the king. He sits on David's throne. Luke, uh, the gospel, we just heard Luke's account in that video. That was a word-for-word -word, uh, rendition from Luke, with the, illustrated by actors. Luke's account really emphasizes kind of the everyday people. And so he emphasizes the shepherds who were, shepherds were not anybody special uh, in, in, that time, in the time of Jesus. People looked at shepherds, and please don't take this the wrong way if you are, if you, this is your job, but people looked at shepherds the way that people nowadays maybe look at a gardener. 
uh, or, or somebody, you know, uh, uh, somebody who works in construction. They don't necessarily go, oh, I want to grow up and be a gardener someday. You know, there's great people who are gardeners, but that's just the way the society looked at them. And uh, that's the way society looked at shepherds. So shepherds are kind of like ordinary nobodies, and yet they are the ones that the angels appear to. So it's a really cool thing. Luke emphasizes kind of the, the, the way Jesus is for everybody. And, uh, but, but John emphasizes this idea of darkness and light in his gospel. And so I'm going to start reading here in uh, the beginning here. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. The word, that's the logos of God, the reasoning, the rational thought of God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a great passage. There's so much in there, so much deep theology in there. But this is, Luke, this is a John's account of the, the Christmas story, of who Jesus was and how he came into the world. And he chose to, to tell the story in, in terms of darkness and light, and that Jesus was the true light that came into the world. And it, it wasn't just that he was the true light for, for just the world, but uh, put, put the next slide there, Sherwin. In him was life, and and that life was the light of all mankind. So Jesus came to to bring a different kind of life. That light that Jesus is, that he was, is a different kind of life. And, And the way John describes it is eternal life. Eternal life isn't just being in heaven with God someday. Eternal life begins here in this world world on this planet it's a different way of living it's true life jesus says i've come to give you life to the full and so jesus came as a light that would transform us that would make us live differently it would change who we are from the inside out it would change the way we live our lives that light was the life of all mankind a different kind of quality of life that functioned as a light but when people saw that light how did they respond they withdrew. They didn't recognize him. They didn't want to be exposed. They retreated because the, this light can be offensive. And so even though it's, a, it's leading to true life, even though it's what everybody is looking for, there's something in us that wants to resist. There's something in us that wants to push back. And, and yet God is so relentless in his love that he won't hesitate. You know how you and I, when we want to Maybe we need to help somebody with something or we need to, to, to challenge somebody on their sin. Or, you know, in our church, we try to be real with each other. 
And so when we're all a bunch of sinners, and so we're going to mess up in, in our dealings with one another. And so there's times where, and even just out of love, we, we got to help one another to, to repent and change. So there's times you need to confront someone on their sin. And, and how do you feel about it? I mean, very few of us are like, oh, I can't wait to show this person their sin. <laughs> and, and if you are, then it's usually more like you're wanting to vent. You know, you're just angry and you want to blast them. It's not that you care so much about them. Uh, you know, we, we hesitate, and yet God never hesitates. Because he loves us so much, he's willing to hit us with the lights so that we'll change it, so, so that, that we can become who he wants us to be because he loves us. His love is relentless. Um, I, I'm really, as I said before, I'm really proud of, of Gina and the whole team and, and the, the great job they did with the Christmas play. And Gina grew up uh, doing uh, productions and doing uh, drama and everything, and, and she uh, became a disciple in our church in New York many years ago when they had a daytime, they called it the daytime ministry because they were catering to people that at night they were in showbiz and then during the day they had their, all the church stuff. So it was called the daytime ministry. And that's where Gina became a disciple. And uh, anyway, with putting this play together, I, I was so encouraged, not just by, she's really great as a director, but the thing that impressed me more than that was just the way she was uh, just so reverent in her faith with the whole thing. Just like constantly praying, asking people to pray, looking for what God is doing in every turn with the situation. And uh, just really appreciated her prayer and her faith with all of it. So she had these friends that are actor friends and, and director friends that were helping out with the play that she pulled in. So we, we kind of got spoiled because we got, you know, top level actors without having to pay for the top level, you know, because of Gina's relationship with these, these actors. Uh, but anyway, we, on Sunday last week, we, we met in house churches. And so we had our own cast and crew worship service out in the parking lot before we got started uh, last week. And uh, Gina thought it would be a good idea for her to share her testimony. Uh, you know, she had a lot of things going on last week. Uh, so much going on with the play. And yet she just thought, okay, I have all these friends of mine. I would love to be able, just be able to share my testimony. And uh, so I really appreciated her heart to do that. Even with all the things going on, she was, was willing to, to share her testimony. And, and uh, so much of it was a story of God not giving up and God just pushing, in, pushing his light into her life. And, uh, you know, at one point she was like, God, if you are real, you're just going to have to show me. And then boom, right? God answers those prayers, doesn't he? You know, right after that, God came through and she became a disciple. And, and then she went through a dark time and then she left God. She left the church and yet God kept pursuing her. And she came back uh, to, to, to the church about uh, three or four years ago or whatever it was. But I just appreciated that she responded to the light. She didn't, she didn't keep pushing, at times she pushed God away, but eventually she just surrendered and said, okay, God, I, I surrender and just let the light in. And, and that's what really transformed her. Uh, you know, when we think about darkness in the world, there, there, is, uh, there is darkness all around us. And that's why we need the light. And, and all of us see the darkness every day. Uh, I mean, just driving on the freeway, you see the darkness in our world. Um, and it, even this time of year that's supposed to be about family and celebration, and, and, uh, and, and as disciples, we remember Jesus and how he came to the earth. Uh, there is a lot of hardship, and there is a lot of pain. Um, and, and, and that's something that's hard. We wrestle with. What do we do with the darkness in the world? Uh, a lot of people don't even ever follow God because of, of the darkness. And uh, there, there was a recent Barna survey uh, that, that asked 
thousands of people, if you could ask God any one question and have him answer it, what would that one question be? And the one question people had more than any other question was, uh, why is there suffering and pain and hardship in the world? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there darkness? That's the one question that was more than any other. Why? 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 And, and it, so we wrestle with that. And yet God gives us free will. And so if we have free will, then that means we can hurt each other. I can choose to hurt. And, and so horrible things happen. Just this last week, uh, while Steve told me while everyone is at midweek, uh, a drunk driver uh, plowed into some people and, and uh, three adults and a, and a child were killed this last Wednesday. Just right down the street from here, right, right by where we meet for midweek. Uh, and, and, and so... So people's sin causes hardship and harm and hurt to other people. And so what does God answer for that? We wrestle with that. There's a, there's a uh, cartoon I ran across uh, where, uh, one, I don't know if these are turtles or what these are, but anyway, one is Cindy, the other one. He says, sometimes I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty, famine, and injustice when he could just do something about it. What's stopping you? I'm afraid God might ask me the same question. And, and, you know, that's, that's true in, in that who are we to really judge God? We don't understand all the ways that God works. But God's answer to darkness, and this is the one point I want you to take away today. The answer to the darkness is the presence of God. God answers darkness by coming into the darkness as a light. Uh, this, the, the, we believe that this universe, this world, this realm, it's temporary. And even scientifically, if you look at the timeline of how long the universe has existed and how long mankind has been here, I mean, it's just, we're right there. I mean, humans just showed up. And so God's timeline is different. And so he brought humans into this universe and then came himself as a human to show us true life. And it's setting all, all of it up for a new realm, we believe, an eternal realm that, that the kingdom of God it's, it's here, but it's coming as well. And so that's God's answer to darkness. He doesn't try to explain it all, but he says, I am here with you. Because that's really what you feel. In times of dark, you, you go, where are you, God? And when God answers, that's exactly what, what we need. Uh, it's the presence of God. Let's look at a, another passage here. If you turn forward in your Bible to John 3. Because God was not content just to stay in heaven, just to shine light from up there and make us feel bad about ourselves. What makes Christmas so amazing is that we celebrate that God actually came into the, the world as a person to shine light, to be a light. He's not only aware of the darkness, but he came to do something about it. So, and this is told again here in John 3. This is the most familiar passage probably in the world. You see it at football games uh, and uh, people love this passage, and it's a great passage, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I'm going to read that again. Because we hear the verse 16 a lot, but we don't hear verse 19 that much. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, 
amen, yay, right? But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that which they have done has been done in the sight of God. God sees everything. So there's, there's only two options in responding to the light in this verse. Uh, it says, everyone who does evil hates the light will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. So the one option is to go, no, I'm not coming into the light. I'm resisting the light like we talked about earlier. I don't want it. You know, and you retreat to the darkness. That's one option. The other option is... Uh, whoever lives by truth comes into the light, so he's basically seen plainly what's been done, because God knows everything anyway. So that, that's, the one option is, I don't like it, it's penetrating, it's uncomfortable, I don't want to hear about what's really going on, you know what I'm saying? Resist God, stiff-arm God, or to go, okay, well, God sees, God knows that, God knows it all anyway, doesn't he? People might not know. In the darkness, you don't see what other people are doing, you don't, other people don't know, but God knows anyway. And so, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that the Word of God, it, it, it exposes and knows that everyone, God, everything's going to be uh, seen by God anyway at some point, so why not let Him see it all now? Why not come into the light now? It's not a matter of being, the, the two options here aren't perfection and evil. It's everybody messes up. It's just a matter of whether you're coming into the light with who you are or not. You see that? Uh, so, so, you know, Everybody has evil deeds. It's not that some people have evil deeds and some people have perfect deeds. It's that when you come into the light, you come in with your evil deeds and you go, God, I surrender. Help me to change my evil, you know, help me change now while there's still time. And, and, and God's response is forgiveness and love. And he, and he gives us Jesus. That's the whole reason Jesus came was not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So the, the question is for you is how will you respond to that penetrating light. It can be scary. There was a, a scene in, our, in the play, and I don't know if, it, if you got what was happening, but the, the, there's a kid who's frustrated and his life is not going well and everything, and, and there's this moment in the play, he was standing right here, where this light shines on him. And it's actually the janitor who's working on the lights. And he, the janitor thinks he's talking to his janitor's assistant. The janitor's assistant was played excellently by David Atkins. Uh, yeah, he was awesome. He was acting. Uh, but, but Josh <clears throat> thinks he's talking to God. And so he just is like, whoa, and just lets, lets God have it, really. And, and the response is, you know, be who you want to see. And, you know, it, it was a cool, cool response. But, but we have those moments in our lives where we, we feel like, wow, we're totally exposed. The light is just boom. And, it, and it's our choice in those moments how we're going to respond. Will we respond in coming into the light and being real and being open and being honest and just, oh, okay, I surrender, here's who I am. Or will we respond by retreating and stiff-arming God and, and staying in the dark? That, that's our choice at those moments. And, and my appeal to you is to come into the light, to, that God is here in your life because he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to be in heaven forever. And he wants to give you the life that he, he always planned for you. And yet we respond by strong arming him so awesome, often. But there's something so powerful and so awesome about just being real. 
as we were even putting the play together, uh, we were here all day Saturday last week, uh, nine hours on Saturday, setting up cue to cue, which is every like cue and every little thing that happens in the play. And, and there was some tension that built uh, among many of us. And, uh, you know, we ended the day with a lot of tension, a lot of conflict, and a lot of this, uh, you know, just, I couldn't sleep Saturday night because I was like, oh, you know, all this tension, and I love all these people so much, and yet they're mad at each other, <laughs> and, you know, what do I, how do we fix this, and it was so great, we got together s- Sunday morning, and we just, Steve was just like, okay, we're going to all share about what we can each do differently, and what we, what we should do better, and, you know, and everybody just was like, Bleh. okay, I'm this, okay, I'm that, but, and everybody just was like, okay, I messed up because of this, and I messed up, and there's something so powerful and bonding about just being real, and coming in, that's coming, that's a practical example of coming into the light, you're not trying to hide, you're not trying to, well, it's their fault, or it's their fault, it's just, okay, here's me, <laughs> you know, and there's something so powerful about that. It allows forgiveness, it allows uh, healing, and it allows change in our lives. When that light is allowed to penetrate your life, your marriage, your parenting, your relationships, it transforms you. And that's where true change happens, and you experience different kinds of relationships. Let's look at one more uh, scripture, 1 John chapter 1. So this was written by the same author that we're looking at, John. But this is a letter that John wrote to, uh, to the churches. And it's interesting, the parallels. Again, you're going to see the parallels that are in the book of John and then in, in John's writing. These themes of light uh, come up a lot, this theme of light and darkness. 1 John 1, let's start at the beginning here. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. See all the parallels with that first passage we read? He was in the beginning, the word, logos, the logic of God. He says, we've seen God. We've, we've touched him. We, we heard him. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't, there was this, this thing that started circulating um, in, the, in the first century that Jesus was here, but he wasn't really a human. He was just kind of a phantom because true God could not be flesh and blood. True God, as a person, could not get tired or... Uh, get hungry or, you know, have, have to go to the bathroom. Or, you know, like, like, that's just too lowly for God. So he must have not really been human. And John was like, no, 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 he was a human being. We touched him, we saw him, uh, you know, we, we were right there. Uh, the life appeared, verse 2, and we've seen it and testified to it. We've proclaimed to you the eternal life. Remember, a different quality of life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is what? Light. In him there is no darkness at all. So God is absolute, pure, perfect light. And so you can't can't be one with God. Remember, the answer to darkness is the presence of God. And yet you can't be one with God when there's darkness in your life. And so that's why Jesus came. That's why his blood, that's why his sacrifice was to purify us, as we're going to see in this passage. It says, so he's light. There's no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So again, in this passage, there's two choices. You can either, uh, first one there, Sherwin, you can either claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, or you can walk in the light, which is everything's exposed. There's not any hidden pockets of stuff going on. It's like, here's who I am. And in that case, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. All of us mess up. It's not like a matter of you can either do everything right or do everything wrong. We're all going to do things wrong, but it's a matter of whether we come to God with the things that we do wrong and we go, here's, the, here's who I am, and we let that light in, and, and we change through that process. We don't stay the same. We talked about that two weeks ago. You know, when you become a disciple, your whole life changes, but I'm just saying it's not that you never sin again, right? You see that in this passage? The blood of Jesus, in fact, purifies us of our sin. So it, that's what grace is, is that it, it, you coming into the light and exposing, here's who I really am, God forgives you, and he helps you to change and get more and more, become more and more like Jesus. So those are our two choices, is either you walk in darkness and you go, well, I, I, I'm with God, yeah, I'm with God, but you're walking in darkness, which that's what I did for a long time, because I knew the Bible, I knew the passages, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't want to be exposed. So I tried to kind of have it both ways. Like, I want to look like a good person, but not change. And that doesn't work, does it? Some people are shaking their heads because you tried that as well. It doesn't work. And so when I made the decision, okay, I'm going to give up this fight. I'm going to give up trying to resist God. I'm going to just completely surrender. And part of that means surrendering to the people God put in my life. Because that's how God works. He always works through people. You know, you read the Bible, it's always through other people that people become Christians. And so it's like, you go to the people in my life, okay, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real. Here's what I've really been doing. Here's what's really been going on in my life. And you just get honest and you surrender, and God, that's when God works. That's when God does his work, when you come into the light. And, and I, I talked about my sin, I talked about my life, I made a decision, I'm going to be a true disciple of Jesus. I got baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. All my sins were washed away. And I will never forget that next morning after I became a disciple, uh, you know, having a quiet time. And I, and I was literally in the light. Like I was on my parents, uh, I was 17 years old, and I was on my parents' porch having a quiet time. And I just sat in this chair, and the sun was just beaming on my face. And I was like, oh. You know, it just feels so good to just be completely forgiven of all my sin. And just be completely one with God. There's no wall between us. Because the Bible teaches that there's a wall that comes up between us from sin. But there's no wall. I'm totally, the presence of God is here in my heart. And it, it was so awesome. We, uh, we did a, a Bible study a couple days ago with Connor, who's been studying the Bible with the singles ministry. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, got me and Steve to join in the study. He helped out with the Christmas play. He was one of the tech crew and did an awesome job. And um, he's not here today because he just got a new job and they made him work today. But he said, I got to have Sundays off though, though, or I can't work here. And they're like, yeah, we're going to give you Sundays off. So he's going to be here from now on, but he's not here today. But, uh, but he's, re he's right there. He's wrestling. You know, he just did the light and darkness study. You guys know the light and darkness study. So he talked about all of his sin and, and what's, you know, what's really going on in his life. And now he's repenting because in Acts 2, uh, the Bible says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So repent means, you know, change you know, deal with this stuff so he's dealing with his sin and he wants to get baptized really soon but it was cool for me because it reminded me back of that decision i made 
when I, when I got into the light and when I confessed Jesus as Lord, when I got baptized uh, for my sin, and, and, and it's that journey I'm still on of always walking in the light and not walking in the darkness, but walking in the light. So I want to appeal to you wherever you are in this, in this verse. You know, if, if you have been in darkness, just make that decision to, to, to step into the light. And, and, and a practical sense what that means is just talking with somebody else here, like, hey, can we talk? And we all have stuff we need to talk about. And so nobody, nobody sits in judgment of anything in your life. You know, we've all been there, and we're, we're a, a big collection of sinners right here. Uh, we're not a collection of, we're a collection of holy people as well, but that's only because of the blood of Jesus has made us holy. And so, you know, make a decision. Some of you made a decision this last year to step out of darkness and into the light, and, and now you're walking as a disciple, and that's so awesome that, that, that you are, are, are living for God now so that the, the, uh, the direction for you is just to stay walking in the light. Don't let the darkness back into your life. Because Satan wants to, to cloud, you know, what, what God's work has done. He wants to bring darkness back in. For some of you, you're right there. You know, you're kind of right on the decision point of, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, it, it's a little scary. Uh, you know, because it is. It's, it's a penetrating bright light, and it's scary. But I, I make the appeal to you that God is here because he wants a relationship with you. And you'll never, ever, ever regret uh, becoming a disciple. And there's no better time than right now to go, okay, God, I surrender. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow Jesus. I trust you. And, and, and that's what God's looking for is that surrender and that trust. Uh, sometimes it helps to hear a story of, uh, of, of how it works in, in our lives. And so my wife is going to come up. My beautiful wife, Dessa Craig, is going to come up. And... Uh, she is going to share a little bit about her story, how she became a disciple, and uh, how she came into the light, and then after that, I'll, I'll come back and pray for our communion. So I'm going to turn it over to Dessa. Okay. Um, I appreciate you guys letting me come up here. Um, I got to share this with the people in, um, that were working with the kids in Kids Kingdom earlier, and um, Dave Adkins shared similar to what Brian was saying, just that how everybody has a story. Everybody was, was lost and then became saved. Everybody's been in the dark, whether you had a lot of sin, if you had a lot of inward sin, if you had a lot of outward sin. And um, so anyways, it just helps. It does help to hear the story. And um, one of my kids told me, Mom, your story's not very interesting. So hopefully you guys will find it interesting. Um, I was like, that's not very helpful. But, um, but it... I think um, everybody's story is interesting, how, uh, how they go from dark to light, because everybody does have to, to go through a transformation. So um, I grew up in a religious family. We went to church regularly. Um, I believed in God. I believed that the Bible was true, and I'm really grateful for that, because that helped me later on. Um, but I, um, so I always had kind of the standard in my mind of lines I wouldn't cross and tried to be good and didn't really know what that meant, but did my best. And um, so as I got into high school, I played, basically just played soccer all the time, went to church sometimes, and I, I kind of tried to read the Bible. I remember getting through about Exodus, halfway through Exodus, and I was like, no one can understand this. I don't know. It's not really helping me that much. Um, but I, I, all the time in the back of my mind, knew I wanted to do what was right. I had a fear of my parents, which kept me out of a lot of trouble. Not all trouble, but I had a healthy, like, healthy fear, respect for them, and um, somewhat for God. And um, so I just kept, through high school and college, just kept 
crossing boundaries that I had set for myself because I thought, you know, they were good boundaries, whatever, and then I'd cross it, and then, so then I had a new boundary, but I was still saved in my mind. I was still better than a lot of people I knew, so I must be fine. And um, so I remember going to college. Um, I was on the soccer team at University of Colorado, and I remember going to parties with the team, and I remember going to this party with the, the coach. The coach got drunk with all the girls. It was really stupid. But um, I mean, just, and I just remember thinking, what is the point of all of this? And I think I was kind of open at the time and didn't know it. It wasn't like I was thinking, oh, I'm looking for God. But I just didn't, I was trying to figure out what the point of everything was. And um, I hadn't been going to church at all or anything. And um, some friends of mine from high school, we used to go play racquetball together um, in the evening. And then they would walk me home. The guys would walk me home so that I didn't have to walk across campus in the dark. And so they had been invited to a Bible study group. And they invited me to come. And they said, if you come then we can play racquetball and walk you home. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll go so that I can go play racquetball and be walked home. So I didn't have like this big noble, oh, I'm seeking God um, thing going on, but I thought maybe there's gonna be some nice people there and maybe this will be better than getting drunk with a soccer team. So we, um, so my friends and I all started going to the, to the Bible study and they kept asking me, do you want to study the Bible? And I was like, didn't we just study the Bible? Like I didn't really get that they meant like me study the Bible for myself. And so it took a little while, and they all thought I didn't really want to study the Bible, but I just didn't know what they meant. So, um, so eventually, I started reading the Bible for myself and getting together, and um, I'll never, ever forget sitting in Denny's, learning what it meant to be a Christian, to be a disciple, and looking, it took about two or three scriptures, and I was just like, this is not what I thought it was. This is not how I've been living my life, and this is not... How, so then in my mind, I remember thinking, but I'm still a Christian according to what I thought was a Christian. And then I thought, but that's not what the Bible says. And this was where my gratitude for believing the Bible was true. I just hadn't really done that much with that. But I was like, this is what it says. And my life is nothing like this. So it took me, a, I remember the whole process, a couple minutes, and I was like, I am not saved. I am not a Christian. This is really clear. And then I, but then it got really hard for me because then I thought that means all these things that I was taught to pray Jesus into my heart, which I did about 10 times because I kept thinking it didn't work. Like, I did it, and then I crossed more lines, so I must have not, didn't work, so I did it again. And then, anyway, so at that moment, I realized this means a lot of people aren't saved. The, you know, at, if you follow, to follow the Bible, this means a lot of people aren't doing it. And so that day was really overwhelming for me. I remember being on campus being really overwhelmed. And then um, I went to a campus retreat, and um, all the college students went, and the people who weren't, um, were studying the Bible went to a, a class about how Jesus died on the cross. And um, that was the first time it wasn't a fairy tale to me. Like, I, I remember being like, wow, this is real, and um, feeling very convicted. And right after that, um, we studied out what sin was and uh, my sin, and um, I got open with everything, and... Um, the girl studying with me said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel like I killed somebody. And she said, you did. And so I remember I was really convicted at that point, but there was also this weird sense of relief at that point because I, there was just a lot of clarity about what the line really is and what really does make someone a Christian and how someone really is saved. And it wasn't just me trying to be good and then feeling guilty because I wasn't 
and feeling like I was better than other people, but not better than, I just, it was just so much clarity. And so, and then it also gave me relief that um, I don't have to keep heading down the path I'm on. Um, so it was a weird sense of, I, now I know what sin is, I just feel relieved. And I feel relieved that there's grace in all of it. And those things um, that helped me then are still the things that help me now. Um, the grace, the clarity, and then the people helping me at the time. I was just so grateful to that I could have a living example of people who were doing Like as I was reading the Bible, comparing it to my friends' lives that were studying the Bible with me, I was like, there's people who are really doing this that are going to help me do it. And I think I really can do this, you know. And um, so those are the things that helped me now. They still help me to this day when I'm um, feeling whatever. If I just think about the Bible and the clarity of it, God's grace, and then all of you guys helping me, that's what helps me get through it. So thank you for listening to me. One of us is a story, and the room is full of stories, and uh, it's so, so great to remember our own conversion. Uh, it's great to have new conversions. Uh, I heard we just had a sister baptized uh, last Sunday. Uh, special, correct? Is she here? Oh yeah, they're special. All right. We'll kind of, uh, we'll kind of officially introduce her uh, in, a, in a, a future week, uh, but it's awesome. Uh, so as we take communion, think about your own life, uh, and uh, it, like I said, it's good to remember, and that's why God gave us this time. Jesus uh, instituted this, this idea of communion, that we would take the bread that re represents his body and the grape juice, which represents his blood, and remember what he did for us. And so let's pray for that, and, uh, and then as we're uh, taking communion, I'm going to play a little bit and then sing a song. I'd love you to sing along with me called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel which is about darkness and light and the light coming into our lives and into the world. Uh, so let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to get to uh, just remember every week uh, what has been done for us on the cross. Thank you for Jesus and his body and his blood and what that means to each one of us. And uh, thank you for uh, your grace uh, and mercy and that, uh, Father, you, you didn't come into the world to judge it but to save it. And uh, thank you that you're in our lives to, uh, to rescue us from the dark and uh, bring us into the light. Thank you for this time of remembrance. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 